if you missed it, first service, there was no music on this video, so it was just Peter underscoring the whole time. I thought I was going to have him the whole service, but let's go. Um, I just wanted to start this service with just a simple question of, I think it's fitting, have you ever craved something? Just like so bad, and I think we all craved, if you're normal, pumpkin pie this week, but maybe pecan pie if you're not. Um, But have you ever craved something? And going right into that, I don't think a sermon would be a sermon without talking about boneless wings. And I just have a story for you guys. And it just started with, um, there's a wing company. I'm not going to give a free shout out um, unless they start paying to for this advertising. But me and my friend are really into this wing company in Grand Rapids. And they have 30 flavors. And about two months, uh, about two months, Leading up to this, my friend, who's really into wings, was like, I'm going to try every single flavor, all 30. I'm going to rank them, and the company's going to thank me for giving them a ranking of my favorite flavors. So I ate sometimes with him, but he, he would go with his wife. He would go without his wife, so his wife didn't know. And he would try every single flavor, two at a time. And he had this ranking, and he was like, 30 flavors, like, this is the A team, B team, C team. I think he did varsity, JV, freshman, and like cut. Like like he cut like he that's how he did his rankings was like varsity team, like for for the wing sauces. And in that, one day he gets an email and it's like, do you want your sauce to be the 31st sauce? And he and he immediately texts me and he's like, we need to enter this sauce competition. Like, we have to create our own sauce and be the 31st sauce in this competition. I'm like, what? Like, when is it? And he's like, next week. <laughs> so he comes over, because his wife didn't want him to make it in his kitchen. Um, to, we make sauce, and we start just doing different ingredients. We have, like, three different demos of what we're going to make. And uh, we, make, we end up making the sauce we call Baja Crema. And uh, it was just a combination of hot sauce, cream, cheese, corn. Really good. That's not the point. But we're like, this is really good. Like, this could be the sauce. So we make a little batch, and then we find out we have to make a gallon of it for this competition. (laughs) We're like, we need a lot more ingredients. So the day comes for the uh, competition, and we have all the ingredients, but we don't have the sauce made yet. But we have to go to Detroit. And we're already about an hour late leaving, so uh, I get in my car and start driving, and Caleb is in our backseat mixing all these ingredients together, (laughs) cutting up the cilantro, cutting up the corn. He charred the corn ahead of time, and he's, like, in this huge gallon bucket, just, like, stirring it. And I'm like, I really hope they don't ask for, like, health and safety. (laughs) Like, they're like, is it made in the kitchen? We're like, no. Like, not even a kitchen is it made. And so we get there with this bucket of hot sauce, of wing sauce. And we show up, and there are 20 other competitors, and they all have branding. They all have stuff. They have their mason jars with, like, their brand. Quentin, if you want to show the photo of our booth, this was our booth. Literally, like, the journal, like, I write prayers to God. I'm, like, in my backpack. I'm, like, oh, this could be our sign. It says Baja Crema by Nick and Caleb. 
like, this could be our sign. You see the little cooler that held our gallon of, uh, so we are just, I'm like, I don't want to be there anymore. I'm discouraged. I'm like, this sucks, man. Everyone's, the guy next to us said he worked for Buffalo Wild Wings for 15 years, and he's been developing this sauce for five years. And he was like, I've been, like, meticulously, like, he's, like, perfecting it. And he had, like, cutouts. He would get, he gave us safety gloves. Like, we didn't have gloves to serve. And he just took care of us. Nice guy. But as the competition started, like, everyone around us was like, who are these guys? But as the people started tasting our sauce, like, this is really good. They're like, people pull aside, like, where can I buy this sauce? Like, we're like, uh, we made this yesterday. <laughs> This is our first time making it ever. Um, I will keep you in a loop. But like, this is, and, and people start trying it from this festival. It's like a cider festival. And um, they're like, this is really good. We're going to vote for you. We're like, we like the homemade sign. And they, um, and, and what happens is I go from being like wanting to leave to like, we could win this. Like, we could win this gift card, this $200 gift card, and have our sauce be the 31st sauce. And Caleb's like, we're going to be the 30. We just start, like, back and forth, be like, 31, 31. And in that, like, I craved something that, like, I didn't even know I wanted. I'm like, I didn't even know I wanted to be the 31st sauce, but as soon as I got there, I wanted it. I craved it. And in that, throughout the competition, um, that two hours of people testing, and then they would vote. They got one vote, and at the end of the day, we had to stick around the whole day to see if we won. And on stage, they're like, second place, Nick and Caleb. And we're like, ah, oh, shoot. Second place, that's what we came all the way for. And we come in second. And then the founder of the wing company pulls us aside and is like, I really like you guys, and I really like your sauce. Like, can we talk and, like, still get your sauce in the store? And we're like, absolutely. So we got their email, and um, it's an ongoing story at this point, but um, it, it turned out way better than we could have even imagined past $200 gift card. Uh, we now have the founder of a wing company's phone number. How great is that? <laughs> but I tell you this story because we craved something we didn't even know we wanted, we craved this, and that we like went through this different like way. Like we did this thing that we didn't even know we wanted. We ended up craving it. But Jesus, what if I told you that Jesus craved something so much that He died for it? So much that He died, rose again, beat death, and commanded us to reach the nations. He craved the nations more than I craved that two hundred dollar gift card. He craved the nations. He craved it so much that he died for it. And simple as that, like, Jesus died to see the nations reached. And that's what we're talking about today is the gospel for the nations. And you could ask, Nick, why does this matter to us? Like, we already have the gospel. And you're right, we do. We're in America. But if we believe Jesus is for everyone, there are people who have never heard of Jesus. And I hate to break it to you guys, the gospel was not birthed in America. The gospel was birthed in uh, Israel with Jesus. Um, and without the gospel reaching the nations, we would not be reached. That being a believer of Jesus is not, like, and not believing in the nations is a matter that is important. That it is not a, it's a non-negotiable. That simply, it's simply being hypocritical 
if we think the nation shouldn't be reached because we received the gospel from the death and resurrection of Jesus and them reaching the nations. Like us as Americans, us as American Christians, it is a non-negotiable that we see the nations as the reward for the suffering of Christ. And simply, like my main point, if you haven't gotten already, the nations are the reward for the suffering of Christ. We're going to put that smack dab there. Um, Jesus died and he rose again to see every tongue confess and every knee bow for the nations, every single one. And it matters to us because that's how we were reached. And now because we're reached, we're commanded to go. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to go, we're going to stick in Matthew. We're going to go Matthew 16 right here. And we see Jesus alluded to this in a lot of scripture. But Matthew 16, 1 through 4 is where we're going to park right now. If you want to go um, bring it up. I just have the reference on the screen on Matthew 16, 1 through 4. Thank you. Um, so in this, he points to his eventual death. And this is before Jesus dies. And he is talking to the Pharisees. So I'm going to start here in the Sadducees. Oh, we here? Cool. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. So before we go any further, the Pharisees and the Sadducees could not have been more different. It's like Democrats and Republicans, pretty much. One is a Jewish religious leader, and one is the political leaders of that time. And they don't agree on anything, but the one thing they agreed on is they wanted to test Jesus. They thought this Jesus guy was full of it. They, want, they were like, can you give us a sign from heaven? And they're just like plodding back and forth. And we, we go back with uh, Matthew 16, too. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. And that's important right there, the sign of Jonah. Then Jesus left, and he went away. He just walked right out. He said, you already have a sign. That's the sign of Jonah. And we're going to break that down. And the first three verses, Jesus knows that he's being tested. So he's being a little tongue-in-cheek, being a little aggressive. And he's saying, uh, basically, you don't see the sign that's right in front of you already. You're trying to interpret the sky, but the kingdom of heaven is already broken in. And I've already given you a sign a long time ago. And that's the sign of Jonah. And Jesus points these people to the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah, what he's referring to is the story, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And to summarize that for you, Jonah was asked by God to go reach a nation in which that he did not want to reach first off and that he wasn't there and they didn't know Jesus. But instead of doing that, he got on the first boat out of there and hightailed out and, uh, and then was consumed by a whale. He was swallowed up by a whale because he was being disobedient and didn't go where he was told. And in that whale for three days, he was being cultivated with the Lord. And then he was spouted out, and then he went to the nation where God asked him to, Nineveh. And Nineveh repented and accepted Jesus. He preached, and they accepted Jesus. And Jonah grew a heart for those that were being reached, the nations of Nineveh. And I believe, like, a lot of us have the same heart posture of Jonah, and I did too, because Jonah didn't have a heart for the nations. He didn't have a call. He didn't have, 
He didn't, he didn't, he hated the people he was supposed to reach. He didn't, uh, he didn't have any heart for the nations. Um, but God does. He craves the nations. And when we align with him, our hearts also align to his will. And his will is to see everyone, whether we like them or not, fall in love with Jesus. And I saw this in my own life. Of I went to Guatemala about three to four years ago when I was a junior in college. And I went there, and I say this a lot about this time period of my life. I was a believer, but I got in my own way a lot. I got in my own way with my wants, my desires, my ego, all of it. And we were going to Guatemala with the baseball team. So part of it, most of it was playing baseball in Guatemala. And I'm like, sick, sign me up. I will go see some sights and play some baseball. And when I got there, I thought I took five years of Spanish in high school, but I didn't know anything. So I get there, couldn't communicate with a soul. And I also was playing, playing baseball, and I didn't have a heart for Guatemala or the people. But as I got there, day by day, and I met the people, we ended up serving a, um, a community that their entire community got ravished by volcano damage. So we just ended up playing soccer with the kids that were in a displacement. They were basically refugees from their own community. And every day we were there, um, we didn't play a lot of baseball, but we uh, just started doing life with these people that I had no idea about, that I didn't have a heart for, but I fell in love with their culture and I fell in love with the people because I met them, because I grew a heart for them. And I tell you this story because it's really hard to have a heart for someone you don't know. And there are people that have hearts for the nations that they don't even know yet. I, if, you, if you're one of them, I tell you to lean into that, because that's a gift from God. But I'm not like that, and I don't know if everyone, everyone is like that. We have to go to places we don't even want to go to have a heart for people and to see them meet Jesus. And as I was there in Guatemala... I was able to minister. I was actually able to preach at a church when I was there, um, and they translated for me. And I saw people go deeper with Jesus. I, like I met a couple that was like, "I'm going to accept Jesus." Like, thank you. And if it wasn't the Lord, if it wasn't the Lord softening my heart for those people, it wouldn't have happened. Those people wouldn't have had a deep relationship with Jesus. So what I'm telling you is, if you feel called to go, I can't guarantee you that anyone else is going to in your place. So if God's asking you, um, I can't guarantee that anyone else will go. Same thing with Jonah. If Jonah didn't go, I don't know if Nineveh would have been reached. Yes, God had his own funny way of catching Jonah and sending him, but I couldn't guarantee that anyone else was going to go. So God really got me out of my own way and asked me to serve those people and see them met by the love of Jesus. And the theme we see from the sign of Jonah and why Jesus gave it is with Jonah, he died in the whale. And he was spouted out of the whale. So he resurrected, and he was sent to the nations. So we see death, resurrection for the nations. Can you get that slide? That's the theme we see with Jonah. Um, we see that theme with another person, the person who's speaking this. Um, the sign of Jonah wasn't just hinting towards the resurrection of Jesus, but it also would lead to the repentance of a lot of nations and with Jesus, when in his ministry, when he was on this earth, he was only preaching to the Jews. But when he had to die and he had to resurrect, and then he saw all these nations come to know Jesus, 
And that's the reward for his suffering, is that the nations just aren't another thing that we put on our bucket list of, I want to go see Greece. But no, Jesus died for us to go reach those nations. And we're going to go transition um, to Matthew 28. And Matthew 28 is after he died um, and, he, and he rose. So the, after all of this, this is the last thing that Jesus says before he rises um, and acts to the throne of the throne of heaven. And follow along with me as I read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hmm. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oh, thank you, Lord. And in this same, the same theme is with Jesus. The order is important that Jesus' ministry is focused on the Jews when he was alive. When he, but then his death and his resurrection basically unleashed the gates for all the nations, including America, to be reached that every Gentile nation that wasn't the Jews was reached, but it was only after his death. So the reward of his suffering were the nations, and the call is the, the call to a nation is the specific reward that he's still asking for us today. I believe he is still sending Jonahs today. You could be a Jonah. You could be, so the Lord could be asking us to go and reach nations that other people aren't being asked to reach. And until every knee bows and every tongue confesses, he still deserves more. The reward is still there, and every nation is still there to be reached. And just, I think, one thing I've wrestled with, and I think a lot of people also wrestle with in the church, is the word calling. It's, oh, I'm not called here Jonah didn't feel called to Nineveh, but yet he heard the Lord tell him to go, is wrestling with what our calling is. But I also think the Bible specifically tells us certain things that we're called to. And there's this one quote from William Booth, who is the founder of the Salvation Army. I think we all know the Salvation Army is a place where we get really cheap, nice pants, or we thrift. And um, in Wales, it went way before... In, it started in the UK, and the Salvation Army started William Booth, and it was a charity. It had, was a thrift store, but it also was a ministry. And in the UK, William Booth starting the Salvation Army, um, so many people fell in love with Jesus that bars were closing, strip clubs were closing, all these things that were sin were closing because people were meeting Jesus, and they didn't need it anymore. All they needed was the Lord. And William Booth has this really profound quote that fires me up. And if you want to look up the, all of it, I recommend. If you just want to, like, run through a wall. But I'm going to read the beginning of it. William Booth says, Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible. And hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Oh, and in that, guys, we all have a call to the nations. We all have a call to reach 
people at Family Fair, people in Byron Center who don't know Jesus, who are drowning in sin. And if you're in this room and you don't know the Lord, I just encourage you, I would love to talk to you, not persuade you of anything, but just tell you what the Lord's done in my heart. But moving the call we all have, and I've just, I, I was able to do some research of like, what was the, like, I was curious that after Acts and all the missionary movements, like, who was, like, the first missionaries to, like, go after Acts and after Paul's missionary travels? And um, I really got to this church in the Czech Republic, and it's called the Moravian Church. And this historical moment really set up all the missionary movements for every church in America, every church modern churches in general, it set up the missions movement, and it was 400 years ago in the Moravian Church in the Czech Republic. And it started, it was a very small church that started because they fell in love with Jesus, and it was a 100-year prayer movement that went 24-7. And a part of that prayer movement, there were two missionaries that first were like the first missionaries ever sent um, that weren't in the Bible. And their names were David and Johan, and they were just two carpenters that were 26 and 36, and they fell in love with Jesus so much, they grasped the gospel, accepted Jesus, and they were praying, and they were also um, worshiping, and they felt the need to go, but they were two carpenters that fell in love with Jesus so much that they felt the need to go share the gospel, and they heard about these, this plight of slaves in the Caribbean, that these these, these slaves were in the Caribbean, and they didn't know Jesus. They heard that um, they were unreached, and they felt the Lord ask them to go and reach these slaves. And the only way they were going to reach them is if they sold themselves into slavery themselves. So these two men, David and Johan, sold them slaves as white men in 1732, sold themselves into slavery to reach these African slaves in the Caribbean simply because they didn't know Jesus yet, and they needed to know Jesus. So they get on this boat. Uh, this is the Moravian mission, and uh, actually after Johan and David, they turned this ship into a mission ship, and they went and did missions everywhere with it. But this is the ship they were standing on. And as Johan and David are on the ship looking at the wharf of their family, which they had, their children, their church family, everything they knew in the Moravian church, they were waving goodbye, but all they were saying, is it's recorded, is that may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They were just screaming that, and it's recorded everywhere. That's all they were saying is that may Jesus receive the reward of his suffering. That, that was it, guys, that they were so in love with Jesus that they were, getting, they were leaving their family. They were selling themselves into slavery, that something they didn't have to endure but because Jesus was worth it. And I believe we need to have that same attitude. I'm not saying let's all save, sell ourselves into slavery, but I'm telling you that I believe that there is nothing too far for Jesus. And the question I asked was, like, what is the reward for his suffering? Like, what does that mean? And I believe, like, the answer is us. Like, the answer is us. Like, Jesus died. His reward is to have us know him to have personal relationship with him. It's he died for you, he died for me, but he also died for the person across the world that's never even had a Bible. 
He's died for every single tongue to proclaim his name. He deserves everything. He deserves the nations, the end of the earth, as his inheritance. That every person everywhere singing like we're singing here, he deserves it. He, he deserves every tongue proclaiming his name. He deserves to fully rule and reign over every single aspect of life. I believe that's the reward of his suffering. That's what David and Johann got. He's like, this life isn't even mine. I'm just going to go. Like, all comfortability. David and Johann, that was the reward that they knew that Jesus deserved. And what does that mean for us? And I just, as I was reflecting on that story, it definitely convicted me, definitely fired me up. But there were three questions. I'm like, man, I don't know if there's anything too far. And if you want to list the three questions, Quentin, I don't think that there's any passion too extreme, that there's any offering too extravagant. I don't think we can be too generous when it comes to Jesus. And I don't believe there's any commitment too radical, that if Jesus is asking us to do something, I don't believe there's anything too far for us to do. And as the American church, as my own self, like I get too comfortable, I get too caught up in my own way. Like I was saying in Guatemala, I get, we get too caught up in our own way and not the agenda of Jesus. But I believe like as the center church, we can go deeper with the Lord and he can align us with different things and become, more, as we spend time with him, become more generous. We become more radical for him. We become more bold. We become more extreme for him, but like it's biblical. Like that's what we see. And to end our, mo- our, our time, I just wanted to read Romans 10. And to be honest with you guys, if you guys want to go to Romans 10, 14 through 15, it talks about how can someone not know the Lord unless they were told. And I'm going to read it. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? (laughs) Uh, Send us. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And if you guys just want to help me out, if you want to start untying your shoes, we're going to do something a little different. I know you guys are giving me these looks. But... It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So as this, Jesus is asking us to bless the feet of those who go. And because we all know Jesus, we also are supposed to go. We're supposed to be sent, whether it is to our families, whether it is to the nations, whether it is to family fair. I keep saying family fair, but next steps are blessing the feet and deciding to go. So in this moment, um, I'm first going to say that if you're feeling any urge to go to the nations, well, we have a partnership with Guatemala, and our missions resident, Jess, please stand up. She is here, and if you have, need any information, she's going to take your name and fill you in on when we're going to Guatemala next. But right now, I just believe the Lord is asking us to be commissioned to go wherever he asks. And in that, I believe he needs us to bless our feet. So I'm going to have all of us stand up with our shoes and raise our shoes to the sky, telling Jesus that we're going to go. And if you believe that you know Jesus and that people need to know him, just join me in raising the shoes. I'm sorry, it's stinky. I'm, I'm sorry on my last day. It's like, why is Nick doing us something weird again? But 
I believe this honors God and it's a really small thing to show to tell him that we are willing to go. So if you want to raise your shoes with me and just read after, I wrote this, this small little prayer that we all read together and you join me with Lord. So Lord, we will go where you ask. We will partner with you in seeing you receive the reward of your suffering. Here we are. Yell this with me. Send us. Send us. Come on. You guys can put your shoes down. Put your shoes back on. I'm just going to pray over us as we end. But Lord, we just reiterate, we want you to send us. Send us, Father. Oh, wherever you want, we'll go. There's no offering too extravagant. No commitment too radical when it's for you. When you're asking it, nothing is too far, Jesus. So I just commission and I bless every single one of us to go where you are calling. That we put our ear to the Bible and say, we need to go bid sinners out of the pit of sin. We have to go to the gates of hell and pull people out because we love them so much and we know you, Jesus. So Lord, send us to Byron Center. Send us to Guatemala. Send us wherever you may, Jesus. We're just willing to go. We love you so much. So I thank you for each individual person. We bless you and we give it to you in your holy blessed name, amen.